I haven't even said anything yet, but thank you. <laughs> Welcome to the end of 2023. And I hope you're ready for this because I think as I've been praying for you, um, I just want to let you know something. Before, I came, before you came in here this morning, I wanted to take a moment and I've prayed over every single one of your chairs. And that my prayer this morning is that as we end 2023, we end with these moments where we are asking God to do a little chiseling, right? Because I think the reason why we applaud is because we know that there is something internally inside of us that we do not like about ourselves, that we have tried everything that we have done, everything possible that we could possibly do, and yet somehow it doesn't feel like enough. And what we're going to ask God to do is do a little chiseling in our hearts, a little chiseling in our minds, maybe a little chiseling on our sides after Christmas dinners. But what we're going to do is we're going to ask God to do some chiseling this morning. And we're going to pray that just as he said, and I love that when he pulled out that letter, that how many of us have a similar letter? If you are a Christ follower, how many of you have a similar letter that says, if you want to use me, even though I feel useless, I want you to take this mess of a life and I want you to have what you want to do with it. Because you see, there is something important that, the, that my calling in my life basically used that same phrase or similar phrase in basically saying, God, take what is yours because I don't know what to do with it. Would you pray with me as we get started here this morning? Well, Heavenly Father, we just simply want to come before you and God, we thank you for getting us through the Christmas season. And God, as now as we enter into New Year's Eve, the last Sunday of 2023, and as we begin to go into 2024, God, I pray that as we go into your word this morning, that God, that you would speak loud, that you would speak clear, and that God, that you would show us the areas of our lives, Lord, that we have been afraid to give to you. God, I thank you, Lord, for the song that we just sang that you talked about, Lord, that your goodness keeps running after me and keeps running after me. And God, I just thought as we were singing that, why is it that we, you keep running after us? Is because we keep running away. And God, I thank you for the days that you tackle us and you make us go down to our knees or to lay down because there's times where we just need you to help us stop trying to do things on our own. And that, God, we just need to simply surrender it all to you. And so, God, as we look at the book of Philippians, as we look at a man named Paul, as he's writing to a church, Father God, Lord, I pray that not only as he's writing to the church to Philippi, Lord, but he's also writing to the church of Southwinds, Church of Tracy here this morning. And so God, we love you and God, we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this morning, we're gonna look at four pictures of a growing community. And you see, I've had the blessing in my life to live out my calling for the last, this is kind of crazy, and I was looking at the numbers, for the last 27 years, I've had the blessing to live out my calling as a pastor. And I know sometimes if I was trying to kind of narrow down as, again, you kind of get to these end of the year and I'm going, God, what is my purpose? What is my calling? And if I was to nail down and narrow down my calling to just a, a single phrase, I'd like to share it with you guys here this morning. 
This phrase, it would be something along like, like this. It'd say, to love God and to love the people that he has placed in my life. And here's the hard part. And it's also to prepare them for the last day of their lives. Let me say that one more time. It's to love God and to love the people that he has placed in my lives and also to prepare them for the last day of their lives. Why is that? It's because every one of us one day is going to arrive where we are going to have a last day here on this earth. And we need to be prepared when we get to meet that person that we sing about, that inspires us, that when we're singing and we're going, my God, your mercies, you're calling out to me. I love you, Lord. You follow me. You keep on doing this. But there is this moment that we all have to run into, and that is why have you called me to live here on this earth? Today may not be your last day, praise God, because we're all here this morning. But what I do want to do is I want to challenge you as we end this year is that we are able to really understand these four pictures of what a healthy, growing community really looks like in a Christ follower, but also in a Christ-following church. You see, it's not just about us as individuals, but it's also us as a church. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to the book of Philippians. If you have your Bible apps, I want you to go ahead and open those up. I'm going to be reading out of the, out of the NIV. And if you don't have either one, we're going to go ahead and have that up on the screens. And I want to kind of give you a little bit of what we're going to be talking about in the book of Philippians. And see what's happening is there's this guy named Paul, and his life was radically changed by Jesus. You see, he never got to meet him in person, per se, like when he was in the flesh, but he got to meet him as he is on this road to Damascus to persecute Christians, and God changes his life. And now Paul is currently writing to the book, or is writing to the church at Philippi, and here's the interesting part. He's writing to them as he says he is in chains, and he is in prison, and I want us to kind of grasp that for a moment because how many times do we actually go ahead and read a lot of books from people who are from prison? And it's not many, but what we're doing here today is we're writing to this and we're hearing from a man who's the reason why he was in prison is because he couldn't stop telling people about Jesus. And as he's writing them, he's telling the church to keep their focus on this man, Jesus. And he's telling them to not focus on all of their earthly accomplishments. You see, Paul, here's one of the crazy parts about Paul, is that Paul basically had everything a person on this earth could possibly have. He had power. He had authority. He had every bit of the Old Testament scriptures memorized. And people would listen to his words because of his authority as a Pharisee. And here he is writing to the church, and he says, do not focus on all of my accomplishments, focus on Jesus. Paul wanted, to give the picture, Paul wanted to give to the church a picture of what a healthy, growing community looks like, and it may not look like what most of us expect. And so if you're taking notes down, again, you can follow it alongside the app. But what I want to do is we're going to read Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11 this morning. And again, this is Paul preparing the church to not follow him. And he says this, he goes, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God is by faith. And here's what we're going to kind of camp out a little bit under this first point this morning. He tells him this. He goes, I want to know Christ and the power is resurrection. How many of you guys would just, just kind of take a, just a simple poll? You can raise your hands or you can just kind of think about like, yeah, I think I would like to. How many of you guys would like to experience God's power through you somehow going into 2024. Raise your hand if you'd like to experience God's power, right? How many of you guys would love to say, hey, I want to be able to have that power of resurrection. Someone's died just in front of you. You're like, be healed in Jesus' name. And all of a sudden they're alive and everybody's going, yeah, that's so awesome. How cool is that? Or maybe you're kind of going to like New Year's Eve dinner and all of a sudden the, all the good appetizers are gone. You're like, God, provide more. And it's like, boom, more chicken wings keep on coming out, right? And all of a sudden people are like giving you high fives. And you're like, yeah. God's power. I don't think that's going to happen, but I'm just saying if we want to experience God's power or maybe we go to people and people are broken and you're just going, you know something, maybe this is what's happening in your life and maybe God can heal you and you just see God do a miracle in somebody's life by simply praying for him or maybe he's called you to give them something or maybe he's called you to serve them or maybe he's even called you to wash their feet and we see the power of what God can do. But here's the other part about following Jesus here this morning. He also tells him this, and he says, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. And you see there's this picture that God is beginning to paint for a healthy, growing Christ follower and a healthy, growing church is that we have to begin to begin to experience this idea of that there is, we get to experience his power, but we also have to understand what it means to experience the fellowship of his what? His suffering as well. And we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. You see, you know, he was kind of making sure that they were trying to make sure, don't follow any of the things Paul's telling him. Don't follow all of my earthly accomplishments. They mean nothing. I've, I've obtained, I've tried to obtain righteousness and I couldn't do it. And righteousness basically means being right with God. And there was nothing that Paul could do under his own strength to be right with God. And what he began to start realizing, and he's concluding that in this, in this passage, is that the community of Jesus has to understand God's power, but we also have to understand the fellowship of his sufferings. And I, I kind of looked up that word fellowship, and what's interesting is that you have this really cool thing. I, again, when, when looking at fellowship, I have this opportunity where we're gathering together. We love eating together. Christmas, and maybe if you spent time with groups of friends and you're having this fellowship, but when he's talking about this same word fellowship of like of hanging out together like in Acts chapter 2 verses 42 that fellowship is the same fellowship that he's talking about in Philippians chapter 3 verses 10 and what he is saying is this that in that fellowship is that maybe when we gather together we also have to fellowship in our sufferings and what is he actually asking us to do then well, that means he's asking us to not only celebrate the goodness of God, we celebrate all the amazing things that God has done, 
but we also have to celebrate or go to the people in our lives to be able to talk about the things that we are suffering. And then if I was to go around the room this morning, and if I was just to say, hey, what are some of the things that might you be facing in 2024? Maybe some of the things that you've already heard. Maybe there's things that were saying that there was a diagnosis that happened either in 2023 or previous and that you have a family member or a loved one that is in the midst of suffering. And you're sitting back going, God, where are you in this? And God's saying, I haven't left you. I haven't denied you. You see, there is a picture that when he's talking about that fellowship of the suffering, you see what happened he's giving this picture of what Jesus had to do when he suffered on the cross. And then he died for each one of us. And in that death, he represented that he can come back from death. And that he has power to overcome. If he can have the power to overcome death, he has the power to go overcome anything that we are suffering about this morning. But here's the thing that we have to understand. Are we willing to die to those things? Are we willing to try to try to control our environments that maybe are uncontrollable? Are we trying to die to those diagnoses that maybe are beyond our control? Are we trying to deny God and saying, God, I'm going to try to fix this thing. I'm going to try to make sure everything I do, I'm not feeling happy. So I'm going to do everything I can to make myself feel happy. And it still doesn't work. And maybe Jesus is just trying to say, have you just died to yourself and stop trying to make yourself happy and allow me to give you the joy that surpasses that happiness and that joy that doesn't necessarily have to be doing something, but maybe has to be doing something in our own lives that we have to stop doing first because we are trying to mask the unhappiness in our lives. You see, there's a misconception of God that sometimes some of us have. And the misconception is this. When things are going right in your life, God is for you. How many of you guys have ever thought that way before? You're like, hey, things are going really good. Oh man, I must be doing all the right things for God, right? Oh my gosh, man, this is really good. Everything was good. We got a house, we got a car, I got a job, man, things are good. My kids are even listening to me. This is fantastic. Even the teenagers, you know, they're fantastic. And all of a sudden, Things don't go as well. Maybe we have to skip a payment on a vehicle or a car. Or maybe for like the first time ever, a teenager talks back to you. And now all of a sudden you're going, man, God, what did I do wrong in my life? And what begins to start to happen is that we start to question thinking, well, if things are going wrong, God must not like me. And yet we start to begin to experience that maybe God is beginning to do that chiseling in our lives and saying, God, what is going on in my life? I want to show you a quick little illustration that happened to something at my house this last week. I don't know if you guys experienced the rains and stuff. I love the rains because I, my, I don't have to water my outside. But I used to have this really nice orange tree in my backyard. And what happened with this orange tree, about a month ago, uh, we had just changed our fence out because our fence, due to these beautiful Tracy winds, they began to start blowing my fence down. And so what we had to do is we had to put up a new fence. But this orange tree right here, you can see all the oranges on it, right? Pretty, pretty awesome. But this orange tree, since we had moved into our house almost eight years ago, was always strapped to a post. 
And when it was strapped to the post, what would happen was is that it would always stay nice and straight and the oranges would always come every single season, even out of season, these oranges would continually pop open. Well, when we changed out our fence last month, we cut those straps to that post because we had to put a new post. And I thought, I don't want to put the new strap on the, ne- on the new post. I don't want this thing to pull my new fence down. So what I decided to do is I'm just going to go ahead and leave it off. Well, over the course of the month, the orange tree started to grow oranges, lots of it. Hundreds of oranges were on the top side of it. But what would happen when the rain came, what happened? The water started getting into the ground. It started to get a little muddy and then it fell down. And as it was falling down, it started, started thinking, why did that happen? Well, we got a second picture. And the second picture, basically, when you look at it, and I looked down the inside, I started to recognize that the roots underneath were tiny. And it just basically was broken because it didn't need to have to grow strong roots because it was strapped to that post the entire life of that orange tree. And so what happened was is the moment that it had to experience all of this fruit on the top side of the tree, it fell over. And as it fell over, the end result was is that now all of a sudden all the fruit basically died. I had to actually basically take it, and that leads us to our third picture, was I had to actually cut every single branch because I'm like, this orange tree is going to survive. I'm going to try to make sure that this thing happens. But what did I have to do to it? I had to cut every single branch off of this tree. And then basically I just kind of tilted it back up. I packed more mud. I'm stomping on top of it and I'm trying to do it. And there's no more oranges on it. Actually, I put it out on the street because there's still that street collecting time. I love that about here in Tracy. And then all of a sudden my neighbor's like, can I have the oranges? They're taking all the oranges from the dead tree now. And I'm just going, I'm hoping that maybe in the next two, three years that I get a few more oranges back. But when I thought about it as a preacher, as a pastor, I'm like, this will preach. (laughs) Because I think that sometimes we want all the fruit, right? We want all the fruit. We want all the orange juice. We want all, every single thing. Put it in the lunches. Let's make, let's juice it up. Let's put everything we want with all the oranges. And we want all of the fruit, but sometimes we don't want to do the work and the foundation of our life. And it's the foundation is what keeps us up through it all. And see, what we see is a perfect example sometimes when if we want all of the power of what God has, but we don't want the suffering of what it means to really follow who Jesus is and follow what Jesus did, which was also suffering, which is also suffering on that cross, was also experiencing that power we will eventually fall over and topple with whatever fruits we think we created because it was always being assisted or needing assistance. And the reality is God's saying, do the work. Understand that following him requires you to not only have his power, but also have the fellowship of his suffering. And what we're going to start to realize as we continue on in this passage, that Paul is getting a glimpse. You see, again, we have to be reminded, Paul is in prison and in chains writing to us this morning. 
He's not in a happy place, but God has given him joy to be able to write this to us this morning. And so what ends up happening is we get to our second picture here this morning, and it's this. It's the picture of pressing on towards the goal. Let's go ahead and read Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. It says this, Not that I have already obtained all of this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. And then he tells him, brothers, he's referring, he's talking to the church and he says, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to take hold of it. And then he says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such value of these things. And if one, at some point you think differently, that too God will make it clear to you. I want to show you a cool, another cool picture. And it's a picture of my life group. I love my life group. It's unclear. Oh my gosh, they're all blurry. I'm actually, I think it's I have my glasses off. Okay, they're a little bit clear. Yeah, but that's my life group. It's not all of my life group. We probably have close to 30 people in my life group. If you include the kids, it's like 35, 40 kids. And it's not 40 kids, but it's actually, they're all kids. But it's like 35, 40 people. And we're always loving doing dinner together. We always have a theme. We always put it out there to, in our life groups. Hey, we're having Mexican, Italian. Hey, it's like growing up favorites. Maybe we should actually do one. It's like, hey, it's like, what do you do? What do you eat when you're suffering kind of moment? Comfort foods. Actually, we do comfort foods. We actually have a comfort food night. And what, what happens is, is that in that group, we do a lot of life together. And as you, as you kind of take this lens, as Paul is talking to the church here at Southwinds, there's a couple of places that we do gathering. We do our Sunday gatherings, but we also do our weekly gatherings in our life groups. And it's where we do life together. But what does pressing on towards the goal look like in a healthy, growing community? And I want to share with you just a little bit about, and maybe boast about, I had to blur them so that way nobody really knows except you can see Gabby up there, and uh, it's kind of looking scary. <laughs> but what does a healthy, growing community look like? Well, first of all, I have to kind of remind you guys that there is no perfect people allowed. There's no perfect people in that picture right there. You have to admit that you're not perfect. You see, what happens is that when you go into a life group, the very first thing that you think about is saying, do, do people really want to know what's going inside of my heart right now? What's going on with my thoughts, my, my mind? It is scary to think that there are people in my life that know my inner thoughts. It's scary to know that people know what scares me. It's hard to know that when I share with my life group that what I'm struggling with, it's, it's like, well, how are they going to look at me? Well, I am a pastor, but I'm also in a life group. And so I have to step aside and say, it's, I'm not coming in here as a pastor. I'm coming in here as a life group participant. And the only way that I can really be a participant is I must participate which means that I also have to start sharing in the areas of that create suffering in my life. But we also share the areas that we're praising God for that. And then there's this thing that he talks about in the scriptures. And he says, but there's one thing I do. And he says, but, for, but pressing on towards the goal, forgetting what is behind and pressing on towards the goal. 
I, want to, I also want to make sure I want to remind you something. Forgetting what are behind doesn't mean that you have ignored the past. Because I think there is a process of forgetting what is behind. Because I think if you just say, hey, I'm just choosing not to think about that, I will tell you you're doomed to repeat it. Or it's going to come back and bite you. And so if you continue to put things behind you, but never begin to express it with other people in your life, what ends up happening is, is that we have all of these areas in our life that we just allow Satan to do its work. And now all of a sudden when we think we're doing well, Maybe we're even seeing fruit in our lives. But Satan's kind of going, hey, what about your fears? Hey, what about your suffering? You're not telling them about your suffering. And then we start going in our minds going, well, if I do that, they're not going to like me. And the reality is, is that God needs us to begin to start sharing all of those things. And so by putting things behind means that we have worked through the process, but he is also saying in doing so, we are also going towards a goal, which is heavenward in Christ Jesus. You catching what I'm saying here is that we have to work towards a goal that God has for us, not that we have for us. I have lots of goals in my life. I have tons of goals for life groups, okay? You know, there's one thing as the life group's pastor here at this church. My goal is to make sure that every one of you is in a life group by next year. We kick, we kick off our life groups next year, right? This is kind of cool. Here's, here's my big goal, is that we have like all 1,200 people from Southwinds that come at a variety of times that attend a life group. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. If you don't go to a life group, you're not going to help me make my goal. <laughs> Pastor Mike's going to fire me. <laughs> but here's the real thing. It has nothing to do with about the attendance of the group, but it has everything to do with it. My goal is to make sure that everyone in this church has a place that they can go to where they can bring their hurts, habits, and hangups and know that someone is going to listen to them, not try to fix them, and then help them point them towards a heavenward goal, understanding that not any person in this room is perfect, but everyone is going to love you and pray for you, maybe challenge you, but help you work towards a goal that God has in this beautiful picture that he has in a community. And here's the crazy part. And I keep on thinking of this is that as I'm working in my life group, we have had some challenging moments in our lives. Earlier on in my life groups, and I probably shared while I was preaching before, is that we've had children who have died in our life group. And I'm sitting back and I'm going, God, what is going on? And he uses my wife and I's story of losing a son 13 years ago, almost 14 years ago, to come alongside those families. And I'm going, God, even through pain, you are going to help us work through these life groups. But what we are doing is we're committed to going to Christ and saying, help us figure out this goal. Once again, who knew that my calling of helping people prepare for their last day would also be to help them prepare for maybe one day their family or their children's last day on this earth. And I will tell you, it is a very tough calling. But it also makes us understand that there is a bigger process that maybe we have to look at as we're entering into 2024. 
And I know maybe you didn't come here this morning thinking, man, I can't wait for Pastor Chris to start talking about end of life. You know, I'm like, man, I want to do this. Maybe you're at the beginning of your life. You're a teenager and you're going, I'm not thinking about dying, Pastor Chris. That's crazy. Or maybe you're thinking like, I'm in my 20s or I'm in my middle of my life. I'm not thinking about, I'm in the best seasons of my life. But the reality is, is that if you aim at nothing in your life, you will most likely hit your target. And I want to make sure that you are prepared, that you are aiming your life towards Christ Jesus and it's heavenward because in this process, as you are living out your life, I will tell you, you will live out a stronger life if it's pointed towards Jesus. You will live a stronger life in your career that no matter what happens in your career, no matter what changes happen in your career, no matter what position you are in your career, I will tell you that your career will be stronger. I'm not telling you it will be better. I'm not telling you it will be void of suffering. I'm not telling you that it's just gonna be easy. But what I will tell you is this, that if you develop this healthy foundation in your life and when the storms come and then your tree, your roots, your branches of your life, they will not fall. But God will do pruning so that you can sustain the things that he has called you to do. And that leads us to our third picture here this morning. And that's the picture of practicing through real life experiences. You see, it's really easy to come to church and go, okay, I want to come to church and I want to learn a little bit about God, but then I want to go and maybe after this, you'll be like, okay, I've got the Raiders game already recorded. I got the 49ers game recorded because you all know 10 o'clock, the game started, right? And you're like, come on, Pastor Chris, get this thing going. But the reality is, is that there are some things that God is challenging us to practice. And let's go ahead and read this quickly in Philippians chapter four, verses four through nine as we kind of get down to the back half. And here we go. It says this, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. And he's now telling the church at Philippi to rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And then he tells something that maybe many of us in this room, including myself, face. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. And with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he tells them what I call the whatever chapter, the whatever verses. And it's in chapters, or verses 8 through 9. And he says this. So teenagers, if you say whatever, just saying, I was meaning the biblical Philippians, chapter 4, whatever. And it says this, finally, brothers, he says, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. But here's the reason why. It's not just to think about it. Here's the result. He says this, that whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, or put into practice, that means you have to apply it outside of this room. He says, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. You see, if you're attached to the God of peace, you will have peace. Detached from the God of peace, you will not have peace. 
You may have little pieces in your life. There may be things that maybe in a moment, like hanging out in a jacuzzi for like 20 minutes, it's peaceful until you get out in the wintertime and then it's freezing. Trying a cold plunge, which I've watched many videos on, and I've got a pool that I could jump right into. Haven't tried it yet. Doesn't sound peaceful. But the reality is, is that the God of peace will be with you when you begin to practice focusing on the right things. And what Paul is reminding the church at Philippi is this. He's trying to get them to remind themselves. He's saying, hey, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And what he's trying to encourage us to do is that no matter what you face, you've got to bring it in prayer. You've got to bring it in prayer. He's saying, pray, be, thanks, be thankful when you're praying, present it, make it a petition and saying, God, will you please take this? But the reality is no matter what happens, do what he says and go to God. Because if we don't go to God, we're not taking the moments to allow him to give you the peace that he wants you to have instead of the peace that we think we should have in our lives. And I will tell you that sometimes as a person who likes to control little things in my life, that's hard, right? Sometimes the scenarios in your life just don't work out the way you want them. And God's like, yeah, right? But he does tell us to focus on the things that do whatever's comfortable, whatever, not whatever's comfortable. He goes, he's talking about whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's excellent, whatever's praiseworthy. He's pointing you back to his word. He's pointing you back to a relationship with him. He's pointing you back to the things that he wants you to have. And in the end, we really should just make sure it's not to just not want to less things in our lives, but what we really need to have is we want to have more God in our lives. And he's trying to tell us, he goes, stop trying to take away the things. Just put more of me in your life. And what you'll start recognizing, those things will become less valuable in your life to you. Which brings us to our fourth picture here this morning. And it's our final picture. And I want to make sure that we understand what that final picture is. And here's the part that I've been trying to get us to. And it's a picture of humility. We've been kind of going through chapter 3, but really quickly, I want us to go back to chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, with our final verses here this morning. And what he's trying to do, he's trying to give you a picture, not only of what our life should look like, well, what humility looks like, but he's giving us the perfect picture of what humility really looks like in our lives. And let's go ahead and read it, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. He's talking about Jesus, just want to give you a heads up here. And he says this, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. In verse six, he goes, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. He's basically telling you that there is this amazing God who loved us, who sent his son Jesus down in, in the flesh who lived here on this earth, and he basically made himself nothing. He says in verse 7, he goes, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of what? A servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man. And then what did he do next? He humbled himself 
And he became obedient to what? Let's say it right here. He became obedient to death. All right, I'm going to just stop there for a second. Man, guys, that death thing sure looks like it happens reoccurring in the scriptures. Why? It's because the only way to follow Jesus is that we have to die to ourselves. Jesus was showing us the greatest picture of what he did while he was on this earth and that he not only died to himself, he died. But even death on the cross. But here's the result of what happens when he died. He says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And what basically what Paul is trying to challenge everybody to do this morning is give you this picture of who Jesus is. He's trying to make sure that we understand that we have a healthy understanding of what humility really looks like. And humility is a move from being self-centered to God-centered. Where is your humility this morning? Are you focused on the things that you want to accomplish? Are your goals this year all goals that don't have anything to do with desiring a closer, more intimate relationship with Jesus? All the other things, they're great. But I will tell you, none of those things will bring you closer to the God of peace if the God of peace is not your first focus. As you're going into 2024, my question is, is that how are you growing in your community with what God has for you? Are you understanding that with God's power also comes with the fellowship of suffering? Are you understanding that we need to continue to press on towards that goal that is heavenward in Christ Jesus? Are you picturing this practice of real life examples that it doesn't matter that if you contain the anxiety in your lives is what you do with that anxiety? If you're worried about all of those areas in your life that bring brokenness, are you truly surrendering it to God and surrendering it to the people in your life? Because God brings healing in that process. And then are you picturing this area of humility of what Jesus did on that cross? I want to close us with this final song. It's an old song, so I want to, for some of you guys who are brand new, uh, you guys are going to like, I may have heard that song before, but I think it's an interesting song that um, God kind of challenged me with because I started singing this song. I tried, I, I, I tried to bring out my, uh, my guitar about a month ago, around the same time the tree fell. I don't know if there's any correlation to that. <clears throat> I was chopping it down with my ax. My, no, sorry. All right, so this song was part of the songs that I was learning when I was a youth pastor over 20 years ago. And the song was called Refiner's Fire. Anybody, how many of you, just, just for my, like, my personal sake, anybody remember that song? Anybody, like half of people. Actually, like only 10 people. This is scary. Well, there's this song. And in this song, it talks about refining fire. It talks, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to sing it. Maybe I'll start singing it if you're good. But this song is sung in a very soft melody. But I want you to think about the words. I'm singing soft. The words Maybe not so much. Here we go. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is a little rough this morning. 
I don't know if I want to try singing this, eh? <laughs> oh, dang. Okay, I, I, I'll go for it. All right. I always, tell, I always tell our worship team that I want to try to sing, and they're coming up like, yeah! Let's do this. All right, it goes. Purify my heart. You feel free to sing along with me. I got some words up there. Let me be as gold and precious silver. Purify my heart. Let me be as gold, pure gold. And he goes, refiner's fire. You're good. You're good. My heart's one desire is to be holy. Set apart for you, my master, ready to do your will. All right, just pause it right there for a second, all right? Good job, guys. Give yourself a big round of applause. Thank you, guys. I got to sing on the stage. Now go back and, and listen to the entire song. YouTube, put Spotify, whatever you guys want into it. But I want you to think about this for a second because I'm not going to go into the whole thing. Purify my heart. Let me be as gold. And precious silver, purify my heart. Let me be as gold. Does anybody know how God, how, how people refine gold and silver? They have to put it under the fire. Does anybody know at what temperature? I googled it, and it's like over 2,000 degrees that where the purest gold comes up, the purest silver comes up. And when we're singing a song written in 1990, who are singing, purify my heart. What were we asking God? God, torch me with fire. God, challenge me with sufferings. God, put me to the test so that way all of those impurities go away so that only the good stuff remains. So as we go into 2024 this morning, this evening, at midnight or the New York New Year, right? Amen? I want to challenge you with this. Sing that song tonight, but understand that it comes with God's power, but it also comes with his suffering. And I will tell you that both are not bad. So that no matter what season you're in, that God loves you. That no matter what season you think you're at or who you think you are, that maybe God has been waiting to chisel you in your life. And he's saying, but you first have to do this. You have to die to yourself. You have to be willing to die. Die to things that you want and follow the things that he wants for our lives. And there's not one person that's exempt in this room. So let's choose to follow him. And maybe you for the first time, maybe you've been kind of doing this church thing, wanting the power thing, but maybe not wanting the suffering thing. And maybe God's saying, wow, maybe I'm fully understanding what it means to be a Christ follower today. So let's pray. And let's go before our Lord. Well, Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you, Father God, that we have an opportunity to go before you. God, I thank you, Father God, for your 
Bible, Lord, for your word, your love letter to us. And God, thank you, Lord, that you use people in your Bible that are not perfect, even so beyond perfect, to speak to us this morning from Paul, including myself. But God, I thank you, Lord, that your word is true. God, I thank you, Lord, that your word brings peace. God, thank you, Lord, that your word brings change. And God, thank you, Lord, that your word brings healing. And so God, that whatever we came in here on the last day of 2023, our last Sunday of 2023, and if people are in here feeling challenged and they're saying, my gosh, I have been coming to church, but I've not truly surrendered my life to God, that maybe this morning and this last day of 2023, you wanna surrender your life. Well, how do you do that? Well, here's one of the greatest things. God has already been speaking to you this morning. He's already been speaking to your heart. He's already been speaking to your mind. He's already been speaking through God's word this morning. And that what you need to simply do is you need to simply acknowledge it. And maybe just like the video that we saw this morning, that maybe right now where you're seated, you're just saying, God, I feel useless, but God, use me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus down to die for me. Thank you that you showed me what dying looks like. But God, I thank you, Lord, that you also came back to life and that by showing us that you can come back to life, that you can conquer all things, and that, God, you can conquer all the fears that I have in my life in following you. And, God, I just want to follow you all the days of my life. And if you feel that you have surrendered your life to Christ this morning, I want to challenge you so I could pray for you specifically. I want you to just simply slip your hand up and just say, man, I wanna surrender my life to Jesus today. Praise God. Praise God. God, I just wanna lift up those people who have slipped their hands up this morning. God, I pray, Lord, that they would know that they're not just entering into a thing that's all just beautiful and pictures of, of, of heaven that they're entering into this relationship with you where there are miracles and there's power and there's amazing things, but there's also a picture of suffering that they're walking into. But God, remind them that they are not alone and that you will never leave them nor forsake them. And that God, as they follow you, that God, that they will experience the most beautiful relationship that they ever have experienced in their entire lives. And God, I thank you, Lord, that they chose to do it on this last day of 2023. Lord, we love you and we thank you, Lord. And we pray that as we close this song, Lord, may we always be reminded, Lord, of just that the impact that we make here goes on forever and ever through the people that you have helped us influence. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.